Yeah. Yeah. And see, the thing is, like, when you look at uh, the symbol of Islam is the, the star and the crescent. And that those symbols actually go all the way back into the Old Testament of when, um, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, it starts with a G, but uh, he, uh, one of the judges, uh, when he, uh, uh, the one with the, the fleece, he had, he had set the fleece out and if there was dew on it and all that, uh, uh, pardon me? No. Uh, so they have, uh, he, and when he slaughtered the Midianites, uh, he took the trinkets off their camels and they had the, the crescents on them. So it's, um, he, so it goes, it goes all the way back that, that those, the gods that were of that time, the crescent moon God is the Nabataean God, uh, also affiliated when you do the real the hard studies to Baal of the Old Testament. And uh, so it's a, it's very satanic what's going on. Uh, mm -hmm. They uh, they they say, oh, it's a peaceful religion. I'm going, yeah. The first five uh, surahs, uh, or for nine of them, they say, oh, it's all peaceful. But they have what they call the law of abrogation, and uh, so that means the later laws supersede the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. I, I believe Spencer. I, I believe I watched a lecture or something he gave at one point. Is, is it was his theory that basically Muhammad didn't even exist? It was just a completely made. Uh, this yeah. this is probably going to get us firebomb, but uh, basically didn't exist. It was completely invented. I I forgot by a king or some political figure or something at the time. Yeah, it was he 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 contends that it is a that uh, he was a, a fabrication, a mm -hmm. total fabrication. Oh, the the. The judge, his name was Gideon. That's oh, Gideon, yes. So when you take, for instance, uh, when, when you're looking at Islam, now they have the Quran. Now, what is it? Is that based on uh, books from There's, the Bible? Uh, what they, uh, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, from Walid and Robert Spencer is that the, the, the Quran is an amalgamation of judaism and christianity they took taken things and then they've added all their other cultural stuff and their other writings and the, the Mo, um, um muhammad supposedly had all these dreams and stuff like that and they put those all to writing and stuff like that and it's just like wow if you have you ever tried to sit down and read the quran from one end to the other myself no it doesn't no, flow no. it, no, I... it, you will give yourself a headache trying to read it I do know, I, I knew someone who had a, a English translation version, and I just remember, I don't know if it was in the beginning or at a certain part, I was reading some stuff in there, and it sounded like, I mean, this is my opinion, if I remember this correctly or not, but I remember it sounded almost like a cult, and it, it said, uh, you're going to meet people that believe that they... Uh, follow Muhammad, and they believe that they are with Islam, but they aren't really. Those people are fooled, and only you are. And this stuff. And I was reading it, going, "Oh, this sounds like a opening of a cult, like telling you that you're the only special one, and no one else around you, even though they may truly believe it, really don't follow him, and, and never to trust them." It was like turning people against each other. It seemed like it's very cultic, and and. Uh and then, and then they fight amongst each other. It's just like uh, you, the Sunnis and the 
and uh, uh, oh, the, the the Sunnis and the the, the, oh, the Iranian the, yeah. the Shias they um, they fight amongst each other. I mean, uh, the Sunnis have their belief of you know the secession of of all their uh, imams going down, but the 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 Shia believe that they are the descendants of Muhammad somehow along the line or what or through his cousin or whatever. But right, right, right. Yeah, that was kind of the clear di the difference between the two. What they believe that each of them were the true ancestor and the other one wasn't or something. So let me let me ask you now because we were talking earlier about. Um, about uh would you say eschatology you know looking into are we close to end time so what's your so what would you what what do you call yourself are you non-denominational is there a specific set yeah, i'm basically uh, not i'm non-denominational I, I just call myself a believer uh okay so like uh, uh jacob prash he put out there so if you're in a motel room and you uh, pull out the uh the Gideon's Bible and start reading it, and you decided this is the path I want to go. You're a believer. You don't. It doesn't make you a Catholic. It doesn't make you a Mormon. You are a believer in the Word of God and Jesus as your Messiah. Okay. So, so that's how I classify myself. It's just a, a believer, non-denominational. Uh, I just once you start uh, the big big religions all want to control their people. And they have their own rules that you got to uh, go by, and that's extra biblical. So I just uh, don't know uh, how to even uh, uh, bridge that. Uh, I just when I have uh, issues with uh, scripture and what they're doing, I, I just I got I, I can't stay in the church. I got to leave. Yeah, on, so, cri on Christmas Day, uh, my wife and I we were invited to go to a service on Christmas Day through a woman we became friends with. she We actually met her through the uh, midwifery that we used uh, for our home birth. And we said, okay, yeah, we'll go. She said, well, it's Christmas Day at the pastor's house. I, I had no idea what we were going to. And it was like 20 people at this guy's house. And it was a cool little service. And then after I talked to the pastor and I said, you yeah, know, what is this whole thing? Like, how did you guys come together? And he said, you know, it started before even I was around. And he was probably in his 70s he said initially it was a group of homeschool parents uh and people went to different churches but back in the 70s he said if you homeschooled you were looked at as like a nutcase and so you were really shunned uh from the community so what happened was a bunch of people that went to different uh sects of christian churches ended up becoming friends got together formed this group and we said hey we can do like our own bible study type of thing on sundays at somebody's house he said back then they would go to different houses and he said i was probably second generation into this group and this is where all these people came from where we all grew out of the homeschool community so it was actually nice we're going tomorrow as well so uh it was great i, I mean you sit down in the guy's living room <laughs> he's got his fireplace lit uh he had a very large collection of bibles i mean there were some that were big leather bound ones sitting on his table oh, yeah. i could tell uh with with a uh, three thousand sticky notes in it and everything i was looking through his stuff I thought it was great. 
Um, like a church I grew up in, like I said, it was on any given Sunday, there might be 80 people. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was really personal. And as I said, the minister answered directly to the congregation. So if they did anything crazy, they were basically fired and replaced. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah, it, you gotta, to, to me. you got to be discerners of your teachers. You, they got to be on, on what they're teaching because mm-hmm. otherwise the, you, the, you could send a whole church into deception and, and it's the destruction. Um, far as like you're meeting in a home that leads right into uh, uh, prophecy even then because uh, the scripture will say that that there will be a great apostasy basically uh, there's a falling away from the church everybody the, you notice that church attendances are down and when they and people will say oh but Joel Osteen all he's doing is gathering the people from smaller churches he's not growing his people uh, his congregation so in the end times, the persecution of Christians are going to be so bad that either the churches are going to be destroyed or they're going to be of the world. And so the only way you're going to find true teaching anymore is through these little homes of where people meet together in secret. And uh, it was just as it was with the first century church when they were being persecuted because they had to meet in secret. Uh, and uh, so, and you know, the, you were being killed for your belief. And uh, a friend of mine who's now deceased, uh, who is in the, he actually put a book out called The House Assembly. His name is Albert James Dagger. Dagger. And uh, he uh, he actually la- outlined a whole, how you're supposed to set up a house assembly in this book. Mm-hmm. It, it, it looks like this. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the House Assembly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, My wife uh, worked for him, uh, uh, Carrie, she worked for him as she did uh, uh, sets up, set up a lot of his newsletter and did a lot of his uh, covers for his books. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because uh, about people falling away from the church, because it's, it's this, uh, for me, it's always been, it's very complex when, like anything, you think about it. Uh, one of the things I noticed when my wife and I were in Poland, she's from Poland. She moved to the United States when she was 19 to go to college, uh, stayed here. So we went back to Poland and first, my first impression was, wow, this is like the USA 1980. That's what it reminded me of. Um, and so all these, they call them villages, but it's similar. There, there's a city and then there's sort of a suburbs and then rural area, but the cities are tiny. So Warsaw is the biggest and there's Krakow, but they're, they're not big. It's not like going to New York City or Philadelphia or anything like that. Um, but all these villages each have a church in them. Obviously, they're all Catholic because Polish are pretty much all Catholic. But she told me it's starting... The decay is starting there where people are now falling away from the church because of things that we experienced here over the last 30 years, corruption, uh, child molestation, cover-ups, all this other stuff going on. People starting to feel like maybe the churches are just grifting. Uh, then they're trying to push people into wokeness, totally twisting, uh, you know, adding all their, their social stuff to it, uh, modern social issues. But to me, what, what I remember as a kid, at least, going back you know, 30 years ago was church at least brought a level of 
morality, civility, uh, ethics, a little more principles. It got you involved with the community. There was more real philanthropy and charity, not driven by the government, but you would do a food bank and then the food would be in the closet at the church and people from the church lost their job. They'd come there. People weren't really ashamed. They'd come in, get some canned food. It was all like about the neighborhood and community. Well, I said to her, as much as I don't like the Catholic church and I think all that stuff is real, I said, this is going to be pulling under attack because as people leave the church they may be leaving the corruption but you go 5, 10, 15 years one generation down the line without any sort of uh, religion or reminder at least of this idea of God then all of a sudden society starts to decay is, is what I really see has gone on here which stems obviously we'll get into this in a little while from cultural Marxism and the Frankfurt School the whole idea was to drive God out of society and then it makes it a lot easier for the stuff that I I talk about technocracy and transhumanism to come to light yeah they uh, the the church uh in especially here in the united states uh it was the morality was the social glue that kept our country going and kept us free mm. um it's uh like john adams said our system of government is for a, a religious and moral people it's wholly inadequate any other way that's uh, so why I get in arguments with libertarians for the part because they say, well, I want all this freedom, but I don't want any of the religious part. I'm going, you can't separate the two for this nation. So it's, it's degrading into chaos. It's going according to plan. Um, the, the, the prophecies in the Bible say that in the end days that there will be a famine for the word of God. The true word of God will be. It will be found, but you have to look for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're not going to find it in your big uh, church anymore. It's just going to be, you know, the, the, the church is going to be just like the world. So what's the point mm -hmm. of going to church? Yeah. No, it's interesting you brought that up because literally uh, about an hour before we got on, someone on Twitter, but who I also think is a member of pain.tv. So they, they had wrote me and they asked me, you know, what's it really going to take to restore the Constitutional Republic? I said, uh, well, I don't think we can, I don't think you're going to restore it for the collective. I said, because the world we live in today, <laughs> first off, nobody understands what that means. And over 50% are, are glad to be slaves and be pushed around and managed and governed. So for you to go force something on them is the same as we feel like it's being forced on us. So we went back and forth. And one of the things uh, someone chimed in and they said, what you did, well, if you go back to the founding, first off, you had to be a moral Christian people to live under this idea of a constitutional republic. And it had to be done at a much smaller scale with less people who wanted to be and would be active in the governance of themselves. And now you live in a society where 99.9% of people here are not active in government. You think you are because you're going out and voting, but if you learned anything over the last few years, that's all a sham. So that's where I think we're at. It's, it's a difficult thing to talk about because like you just said, if you talk to people and say, hey, it's got to be a moral Christian society, you're going to go offend 95% of people. So you can't claim that you want something that you believe existed in 1776 if it's completely different from what it is today, right? Yes. 
the only way we're going to get our country back is for the people themselves to uh, turn it around. If you're relying on some man to go to Washington, it's never going to happen. It's never. I mean, to me, that's it's like this, this whole thing with the Trump Messiah complex. People, oh, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm going. He's just a man. You can't mm-hmm. worship him like. And, and so, it's. I don't, it's very frustrating as a believer seeing what's going on, and especially as much uh, of uh, living in a free country that I that I thought I lived in, uh, just deteriorate to a point where wow, it's going to be survival of the fittest. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, um, and then the way this technocracy has gone, it's made it hard for us to build our own little communities of people that you can actually trust. It's uh, so they've isolated us all. And it's uh, so I still go out and try to talk to people and try to uh, build those relationships, but it's tough. <laughs> no, no, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant what you just said right there, though. Over the last 28 years, really since 1995, when the internet started to hit the home, right? Uh, internet created by DARPA, by the government. As soon as the internet started to hit the home, supposedly we're more connected now right because the internet and then came social media websites now smartphones apps and all these things but we are actually more isolated than ever that you just said that we're more isolated that's that's brilliant because i've been trying to figure out how to tell the audience this in 129 episodes it took to get here we are more isolated even though it's uh, this this illusion that we are all connected. And I think one of the big things I focused on when I used to do this when I was younger, even in my 20s, I was involved with grassroots <laughs> politics. When I was organizing people at a local level, it was part of the community. All of a sudden now, the last 10 years, I played this game where you know, I'm producing uh, podcasters on YouTube and we think we can talk. This is great. You're in Wyoming. I'm over here. Or you're in Seattle it's, or in Portland. It's, but in the end, we're not being active in our own communities anymore. Most people don't even know their neighbor anymore. So we don't organize on a local level and build the community around us because everyone is so focused on what's going on in your phone. I see people all the time. They'll, they'll be looking at their phone. They go, oh, my God, this poor guy in Uganda got hit in the head with a frying pan. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do? What about your neighbor that's sick? Are you going to bring him chicken soup? You know, I mean, well, that's crazy. crazy. You, go to, you go out to eat and you look at the table next to you and everybody over there is there. They're on their phones instead of conversing with one another. Uh, I even see it because I drive a truck at night. I look down in these cars and I see glows of all the phones that are going. And not only I see in all four positions, even the driver is mm-hmm. on his phone while driving. I'm just going, wow, this is insane. Um, it's gotten so bad with the isolation is that people can't are, um, uh, interact with one another. They don't know the social skills anymore. They don't have uh, uh, any uh decorum on when they're dealing with people there's i heard on the radio uh that there was a lady out there that's charging 480 dollars an hour to help these new people how to talk on the phone properly (laughs) 
Wow. All right. That's it. I'm starting a new business. You want to invest? I'm going to start how to talk on the phone properly. This is going to be great. No, I'm, I'm serious. I think you're totally right about this, that people are more isolated than ever because they're living inside the phone. And when you're driving around looking at that, you're either seeing them texting somebody or they're, they're scrolling through their Facebook feed or TikTok, or they're one of the 65 million people in the United States doing gig work. They're driving around looking for their next gig their uber pickup their lift pickup the groceries that they're going to shop i mean it, it's crazy but i think the internet has separated us more than it has actually connected us and this is why it's difficult to have a conversation on the topics i talk about with folks because people say well what do you really think the solution is and it's hard to say to people like you just said uh well if we're not a moral christian nation throw this idea of the, the republic out the window i tell people if it comes down to it, I think technology, I think the internet has destroyed humanity. And unfortunately, we're not going to get what I think is the answer because you're not going to get rid of the internet. But if you got rid of the internet, it would be a great start, you know? Yeah, the two basic things I found since the internet that is actually a positive is the information at your fingertips. And I'm able to um, communicate with people in other countries a lot easier. Right. That's basically it. Everything else. <laughs> Everything else you could live without, you know? I mean, it, yeah. and that's the thing. It was it was created uh, to destroy us. Now, I want to ask you, as you mentioned it a couple times, so tell me your interpretation of, uh, like, end times, people talk in generalities about a rapture. I know there's different variations. I touched on some of this with my friend Dan Golbach, but I wanted to get, you know, your opinion based on the years that you've been studying the Bible and studying God's Word. How, how do you see it all uh, sort of based on where we are today? Okay. Uh, how's I see it? Uh, a lot of people say, oh, everybody's been talking about end times from the beginning. I'm going, yes, that's a true statement. But they've le left out certain things that have had to happen before the end times could have happened. Number one, Israel had to become a nation again. That happened in 1949. So, and, and the other thing is, is that uh, uh, that Israel is the timepiece for the Bible. So if you want to know what's going on, you got to pay attention to the Middle East, what's going on there. Because uh, Israel is the center. Israel is the only nation that God himself set up. So it's uh, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, I just, as uh, far as uh, prophet, uh, prophecy teachings. There's basically two camps out there right now. You've got your uh, dispensationalists and you've got your preterists. The dispensationalists are the ones that this is the timeline that's going through. And for the most part, they are correct, but they, they miss it on the timing of the rapture. Uh, the other one, the preterists, they're most of your hardcore um, uh, uh Presbyterians and stuff like that. They believe that all prophecy has been fulfilled. And I'm sitting there going, so well, if that's the case, then G uh, Satan's in the bottomless pit and Jesus is ruling from Jerusalem. And I don't see either one of those mm -hmm. going on. Why is there still, because after all the prophecies have been fulfilled and Jesus is ruling from Jerusalem, there's supposed to be a thousand year reign of peace and prosperity. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but the dispensationalists, the evangelically they get it correct, and um, so 
and even with the preterists, they uh, they get the gospel correct, mm -hmm. so they can still save souls that way. But but the timing of the rapture, they believe that this, like I uh, heard, I can't remember uh, 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 Joel Richardson or whatever they said that. But that's the Christian escape clause. You know, they think that they're going to uh, be raptured out of here before any of this stuff happens, and that's not going to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul the Apostle uh, wrote out in Thessalonians that uh, given us the description of who the Antichrist is going to be. So if we're not going to be there, the, why are we there? I mean, why do we, uh, why is he describing the characteristic of the Antichrist? I mean, so I just look at it uh, uh, from different points of view. I used to be a, a dispensationalist until uh, Jacob Prash actually showed me the error of my way and, mm -hmm. and, and doing studying on myself. I mean, uh, Revelation uh, 20 uh, verses 4 going through saying that, uh, paraphrasing, it's going to be uh, the souls of the dead that have been witnessing for Christ during the time of Antichrist. So if the Christians aren't going to be there, then whose heads were cut off during that time? Mm -hmm. So those that have not taken the mark or have been martyred for their faith. So, and that, and that's what it, what it comes down to. Uh, the, I do believe that there's going to be a rapture. I think it's going to probably be about midway through or what, what I call a pre-wrath. That's to be Satan and the Antichrist are going to have their, their due on earth. And then God is going to start putting out his wrath onto the earth. And that's when the, the, the bride of Christ is going to be taken out. And, so, so how long, um, so you said same in the Antichrist. Is this what I hear like the seven year period? Is that accurate yeah. or not? Accurate? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's based, it's broke up into two P uh, you have the tribulation and the great tribulation. The great tribulation is the last about three and a half years. That's when, uh, uh, the the Antichrist breaks his uh, treaty with the Jews that they've set up the temple in Jerusalem because they're going to start the sacrificial system again. And as of right now, I heard that they, they've gotten some pure red heifers over there, which is designed to, they have to be pure, no uh, blemishes on them at all to, uh, for the, the cleansing of the temple when they rebuild it. So. Okay. Th this has to do, okay. Let, I've read a little bit about this. This has to do with, the uh, third temple on the Temple Mount is that yes. correct? Yes. Which is yes. okay, and then the temple, the the area where the Temple Mount is currently has a Muslim structure, right? Is that correct? Yes, it has uh, the Al Aqsa Mosque and uh, the the Dome of the Rock. Or okay, the and, right, and I believe Israel, it's it's like the area or like there, there's a governing body that oversees the area that's controlled uh currently by is it jordan and then uh, israel actually polices it Palestinian authority they control it the Palestinian okay. authority okay and then israel has uh some police there right because it's like a governing yeah. committee correct yeah because they're the, the you're not even allowed to go the muslims don't even want you to go up to the wall and pray so they have laws against that. You can go up there, but you just can't pray. Okay, whatever. Okay, and then, but, and then, but but the idea is because I've looked at this not just from um, the biblical side. I was actually following the, the last 
a few years of Trump's presidency related to geopolitics because I saw Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, making some political moves over there, and I was thinking to myself, uh, wait, are they making moves to go for this third temple? Because there's some stuff that has to do with, it has to be built within the same, like, uh, blueprint guidelines of where the original structure was. I mean, there's some, I, I, I don't know what, like what you have studied on it, but is that correct? I've seen, I've heard from one thing is that they, they're good. They have to level one of the mosques and, uh, I don't see how the Muslims are ever going to allow that. Um, so, but I've seen other blueprints of saying when they were looking at the 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 blueprints of how it was written in the Bible of, of when when David built the uh, uh, Solomon and all that built the temple and they they uh, that they could actually put the temple there on the mount without having to take down the other structures. Okay. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, they could also go to the point where the, the, with david the tabernacle which is the tent version of the temple okay so so but they're going to set up that uh, sacrificial system like they have right now the jews are practicing uh, a non-mosaic uh, judaism so uh. so the only uh, judaism that god is a really the father recognizes is the mosaic one it's that you have to sac have sacrifices for your sins so. Okay, so when are you, okay, so based on the stuff you've, because this is really interesting here. To some people, I know it's going to sound like we're talking like Indiana Jones, but uh, <laughs> but no. So uh, you've been following it. When are you guessing that it looks like they're going to try to construct some form of this? Boy, it could happen because they, uh, the, the, the Temple Mount group there, they've already got all the, the stuff in line. They've got the, the menorah. They've got the brazen labor. They got all that stuff in line. They got the vestments for the high priest. All they got to do is get the go ahead. And, and, and I tell you what, if they, if they, if it's a tabernacle, they can set that up in a day. 